If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to go to the table of contents and find the book of Matthew. And once you have find the book of Matthew, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. As I've stated previously, I proposed a question on uh, uh, through a poll on Facebook and even passed out a flyer on Ash Wednesday to get some feedback on some topical sermons around the question of what does the Bible say about blank or what does the Bible say about X? And, and one of the, of the three topics that were requested, each of them dealt with some type of suffering, which fits perfectly into this Lenten season. Last Sunday, we dealt with grieving, and the previous Sunday, we dealt with mental health around the subject matter of depression and anxiety, and today, we're going to tackle temptation, which was the third highest one. So Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He said, If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said unto him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all of their splendor. All of this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and if you will, if you will but just bow down and worship me. And Jesus said unto him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him unto him. Temptation. According to Noah Webster, temptation is a desire to engage in short-term urges for enjoyment that threatens long-term goals. Temptation is a desire to engage in short-term urges for enjoyment that threatens long-term goals. The passage that we're reading from is an authentic experience that Jesus endures and overcomes. It affects him mentally physically and emotionally. But it's here where Jesus teaches us something about our spiritual nature that is also reflective to how you and I are to respond to temptation, not just during the Lenten season, but how to respond to temptation in our own daily walk with Christ. How many of you made a decision to give up something during Lent this year? How are you doing with that? Have any of you failed? Maybe given up, or have you got up and tried again? So what does the Bible say about temptation? Well, number one, Jesus experienced temptation too. Matthew chapter 4, verses 2 and through 4, it says, After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus said uh, it, that it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. 
hunger, faith, and power. Every ease of temptation that any of us will ever encounter in our life will stem from one of these three. It'll come from hunger, it'll come from faith, or it'll be about power. All three of these appeals are authentic to our innocent natural instinct that humans are drawn to. How many of you have ever been hungry? No, I, no, no, I mean hungry. In my, fa- in my family, we get hangry. My, my mama Hall, she had a unique uh, gift that, that she could tell when Papa or, or, or my dad or her grandkids were in need of nourishment. When, when, when Papa got short with her, she'd feed him and then he'd mellow out. It worked for our sons and it worked for us grandkids too. Now, now being hungry is not a sin. However, in the situation that Jesus is in, adhering to the pangs of his hunger as a direct result of Satan's pursuit makes a decision of feeding himself sinful. Let let me say it like this. uh, Consumption of an alcoholic beverage is not a sin, but if you are prone to abusing it or have a family history of alcoholism and are using it to get drunk or if you're not of legal age, then that's when it becomes sinful. See, Satan knows Scripture. And he knows how to twist it and how to turn Scripture and take it out of context in order to exonerate or even justify uh, one's appeal to fall into temptation. And Jesus understands just what Satan's trying to do and counters him with Scripture by stating, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So that's how he deals with the first one. So Satan tries something a little bit different in verses 5 and 6. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point in the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. See, Satan tries to appeal to Jesus's faith. Now, the highest point of the temple would have probably been on the southeast corner of the roof of the royal cloister, which is about 326 feet above the bottom of the Kidron Valley. This is the sheerest depth that's known to all of the Jewish people uh, that have ever been to the temple. And and all of them would have shuddered with the thought of falling from that point. But but this temptation is a fanatical temptation. It's an extremism act, especially to one's faith. And Satan, again, uses scripture to validate this point. But the act of doing this, the act of jumping from that point, uh, would would entail uh, Jesus to force God to act, which is a grave undertaking. And it, it's all, it also would challenge Jesus as the incarnation of God, of God with us. Satan's appeal was to prod the will of Jesus to contradict the will of God for Jesus' life. When Jesus would ultimately die for the sins of the world because it was the will of the Father. And Jesus recognizes what 
Satan is trying to do, how Satan is trying to entrap him. And in verse number seven, Jesus answered and said, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. See, Jesus wasn't going to allow Satan the opportunity to provoke God to move. So Satan tries one other way. In verses eight and nine, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All of this I will give to you, he said, if you will but bow down and worship me. Now, the, the previous two temptations proved that Jesus was a man of faith and a man of common sense. But Satan appeals to the sin nature that every human is born with, including Jesus. And the most appealing desire that humanity longs for is the power to avoid difficulty and pain. People are naturally prone to avoid conflict. They are naturally prone to avoid pain. We will do anything in our power to avoid experiencing either of these. Last week, I experienced something I hadn't experienced in over five years. It's a, it's, it's a cluster migraine. A, a cluster migraine literally knocks you down. I didn't even get out of, out of bed from Sunday evening until Monday night. Uh, they're called clusters because it's, it's a migraine headache and a sinus headache all at the same time. I have medicine for them, and it makes me irritable, and it makes me groggy, but I'll be truthful this morning. I'd have taken anything to knock out that kind of pain that a cluster migraine entails. Satan is proposing a compromise to Jesus with this temptation. Satan knows that Scripture says God is to be worshipped, so he tempts Jesus to set up his earthly kingdom of God, but subtly infers that Satan would be worshipped as well. Matthew chapter 4, verses 10 through 11, Jesus says to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended to him. In other words, Jesus' messiahship would, would be a, a political entity and not a spiritual one. And to be frank, that's exactly the type of kingdom that the people of Israel were expecting. They were expecting a political kingdom, but Jesus rescinds the offer and puts Satan in his place. Church, Jesus was just as human and is, was just as human as you and I were, and you and I are. Jesus experienced temptation the same way. And the Apostle Paul gives us even more clarity around temptation and warns us uh, even more. What does the Bible say uh, about <clears throat> temptation? Well, Jesus experienced temptation as well. But number two, be aware of your surroundings. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. Paul says, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Let me just say this. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's going to happen. Whether you've been a Christian for 20 years and have been sanctified or maybe you've been saved a week. Paul says temptation is common to mankind. 
Where temptation becomes sin is when you act upon the impulses of our sinful nature. Reality shows are a pet peeve of mine, and one of the worst of all time that really only lasted one season just so happens got picked up in 2019. It's called Temptation Island. Temptation Island is this American reality television program that was broadcast on Fox, and now the USA Network picked it up uh, as well, where several couples agreed to live with a group of singles of the opposite sex in order to test the strength of their relationships. Now, I understand that TV networks are desperate for ratings, but this show speaks to the, the depth of moral decay in our society. I don't care who you are or how long that you've been in a relationship with someone, when you put one male and one female who are in a relationship, or you put uh, couples uh, that are in a relationship with each other on an island with 12 models who are being paid to tempt those people away from their mate, you are asking for problems. Although we know temptation is going to happen, And we know that it's common. You can do one thing to avoid it. Don't put yourself in situations that you need a miracle to get out of. Don't allow yourself to be in situations where you become so desperate to get out of it. The only way out is for God to do a miracle. What are you talking about, Pastor? (laughs) Exactly what you're thinking. If you're an alcoholic, don't become a bartender. If your marriage is in trouble, don't confide in that single 20-something at work. If you can't keep a secret, don't let anybody confide in you. Are you with me? Always, always, always be aware of your surroundings because Satan will do anything to trip you up. He'll do anything to cause problems in your life. He'll do anything to wreak havoc. He'll do anything to disrupt the direction that you're going into. You have to be aware that Satan will use anything or anyone to distract you away from your faith. But know this, that the Lord will always provide a way out from the temptation that you're faced with. But church, we have to be aware. We have to be aware enough to look for those ways of escape that the Lord is willing uh, to provide for us. Paul is being very personal. He, he, he's, he's helping us to understand that our surroundings are often dictated um, by, by the things that uh, we, we encounter in our life. And our surroundings sometimes can be tainted in order to trip us up. And, and then he goes on in that first part, he, he states at the very beginning, he's talking to those that are strong in their faith. He says, so if you think you're standing firm, in other words, if you think you're doing all right, if you think that your, your faith is grounded, be careful that you don't fall. Now, why would he say that? You know, why not just address those that are new in their faith? Well, the thing is, is if Satan can knock off a leader, if Satan can tempt and, and make a leader fall uh, because of temptation, then, then he can wreak havoc over everyone else that aren't so strong in their faith. They'll get the idea of, well, you saw so-and-so and what they did, um, then it weakens the faith. And it can happen in the church. 
It's happened in churches so often. The problem is, is people will have a tendency to put their pastor on a pedestal. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Don't you dare put me on a pedestal. I'm really not that great. No, nobody say amen, because I'll track you down and I know who you are. But I'm not really that great. Yes, God does some awesome things in my life, and yes, God has done some awesome things in my ministry, but I'm still just a child of God. Don't put anyone on a pedestal, because when you do that, you set them up to fall. And so often when leaders fall from the grace of the Lord, and because we do blow it, we do mess up, we do sin, oftentimes what happens is, is when people get our eyes up on man, they fail. And, and when they fail, then it contradicts and encounters our faith. And then Satan comes back and says, hey, look what they did. Look, look where they're at. And that's not fair to the gospel. It's not fair to Christ. So don't get your eyes on people nor allow yourselves to be entrapped the same way. It's, uh, Paul says that every temptation that has ever existed is common to mankind, both male and female. So we are all going to be tempted. So we should be aware of that. You're going to be tempted in this life. So be aware of your surroundings. But in the same light... Paul says, even though you are going to be tempted, God will provide a way out so that you can endure it. Let me say, sometimes you're going to be tempted and tempted and tempted and tempted with the same, same thing. And this really speaks to how sanctification works in our life. The more you, uh, the more you say no the more you resist the temptation, Satan will figure out that he can no longer get victory over you because you will not succumb to the temptation that he's proposed in your life. And the more you say no, you're doing exactly what Paul says. You are dying to yourself. You're dying to the sinful nature. So recognize the opportunities that God allows in your life that when you're tempted, that he provides a way out. Grab those opportunities with everything you have because when you uh, take a hold of what God provides for you, when you grasp and when you make those exit plans and you get out of that situation and you resist uh, uh, sharing something that you shouldn't, when you do that, Satan's light bulb goes on in his head and he realizes, oh, I can't get them on that anymore. When you allow God to, and you embrace what God provides a way out for you to get out of the temptation that, that, that has been proposed to you. You die to yourself. So be aware of your surroundings. Temptation is going to happen. It's not a sin to be tempted. Only when you allow those urges to overcome you does it become sin. When you make a decision to follow after those impulses of our sinful nature. But when you resist to them... You allow God to pour a little bit more of his Holy Spirit in you to help sanctify you even more than what you already are. I love you this morning. Bless you.